welcome to mini episode 126 of Real Life Ghost Stories. Before we begin today's episode, I wanted to let you know that I am taking a little four-week break. So you might be wondering, why was there not a main episode this week? And if you are on social media, you would have seen that I posted about why I'm taking a four-week break. So I'm not going to go into the ins and outs of it here. But the shortened version is that my schedule is really hectic over the next month or so with Real Life Ghost Stories YouTube stuff. And I'm just trying to look after my mental health. So that's why. Patreon has been paused, but you can still sign up if you want to sign up to access the back catalogue. And I will be back posting main episodes in about four weeks time. It might be longer, it might be less, it all depends. In that time, there will be two mini episodes a week as per usual. And there may also be more mini episodes if I find myself at a point where I have the time to record them. To kick things off this week, I need to thank some of our newest Patreon subscribers. I would like to thank Lulu, Elizabeth Avery, Stacey Watson, Zell, Jade Woods, Anne Hill, Genesis Roja, Dawn Burnett. Thank you so much for subscribing to the Patreon. I love you and I appreciate you every single day. And I have six spooky stories for you today. And the last story comes from May the 31st, 2021. And story number one comes from Sarah. When I was about nine or ten, I lived close to my elementary school. I would sometimes hang out there on the weekends or at night with friends that would come over. And this particular friend and I decided to walk to the school on Saturday afternoon. The front of the school had a circular patio and a walkway around the patio that ended in two gates leading into the school. Over the weekends it was hit or miss about whether they would be locked or not. This weekend my friend and I walked up to check both gates and they were locked with a combination lock. We sort of both sighed and began to walk away down and around the path. Like I said, it was a circle, and when you hit a certain point, you couldn't see back to the gates. As we got to the front and were about to leave, I paused and turned to my friend, saying I had a weird feeling that the gate was open and we should check it again. To this day, I joke about being psychic, and it's not always a joke. She agreed with me, and we went back to check it to find, to our surprise, that it was open. I can't remember if the lock was simply unlocked or the gate was all the way open because this was a long time ago. But in any case, we could get in. We opened the door and walked through to the playground area right ahead. We were maybe 10 feet from the gate and my friend said to me that she saw a woman in very tall heels standing at the gate smiling evilly at us and locked the gate behind us. I thought my friend was trying to put one over on me, so to call her on it I insisted we went back to check the gate. It was fully locked. Keep in mind, we were not 10 feet from it when this happened. High heels would definitely make some kind of noise and we didn't hear anything. Thankfully, a sports team was practicing on the field nearby and we used the gate they entered through to leave the school. I never saw anything, but my friend, whether to spook me more or because she actually saw something, insisted on the entire walk home that the woman was following us. Now this is the kind of afterlife outfit I am here for. In my brain, for some reason, I am picturing, you know the devil from Powerpuff Girls with the high heels and the lingerie, which was very progressive for the time, I have to say. But I'm here for a good high-heeled moment. If that is some sort of ghost, if it's some sort of demon, whatever it is, some sort of entity, 
the high heels, I'm here for it. But I would probably be quite freaked out if I saw them myself in a playground in the middle of the afternoon. Maybe it was just a real person. But then I suppose you would hear her. Like, I, I see the point about not hearing the high heels. I think I would inevitably be that friend who made it a million times worse than it actually was by just being overdramatic about everything and insisting the woman was following home, insisting the woman had put a cur- curse on us. That would be me. I'd, I'd just make things a million times worse. And story number two comes from Felix. I'm always very sceptical of the paranormal. Same as a lot of people in my life. I find explanations for everything, like owls, moose, or more owls. But I can't shake the sick feeling and instinctive tears when I talk about the time when I experienced some of the most chilling owls ever. I had a very close friend at the time. We are still close and have known each other for 18 years. Her mother worked for the government in the DMV in a very small town in California. At some point, her mother got a position with a semi-local fish hatchery. The reason I say semi-local is that it existed next to a tiny airport and was surrounded by hills, mountains and ravines on all sides. 30 minutes from the towns it was nestled between and at constant risk of getting snowed in, with no escape. The road even went past a creepy concrete slab that was apparently a tiny school that burned down so thoroughly that there was nothing left. Sounds pleasant, right? Well, not when you realise the fish hatchery workers lived on the property. Now, with the introductions out of the way, it was a small neighbourhood where everyone knew each other. It was around 10 houses resting on a marshland. My friend's mother was about to move up in the pecking order from a tiny house near the front to one of the larger houses. In that three-bedroom house lived one very old woman who kept to herself very aggressively. No, she didn't die, she was retiring. As my friend's mother was talking to someone about the move, the old lady walked by and stopped and said the first words she had ever spoken to the mother. You really don't want to live there. Trust me. And that was it. No explanation why. It took only a few days to get to moving in, and as the family unpacked their stuff, they noticed two odd things. First, in the yard behind the fence and hidden from view of the street, was an ice chest. Thinking they had a free ice chest, they opened it to see what was inside and found at least three or four dead ducks rotting in stagnant water. They disposed of it in the local dump. It wasn't a legal one, it was just a place where they left shit. And the next thing they found was a tiny cross, hanging from the window next to the door. It was gorgeous, gold and silver, but they weren't a religious family. They took it down and tossed it into the garbage thinking it was done. And then a few days later, garbage day coming and going, and they came home to find it, hanging, tied neatly to the curtain rod once more. This time they panicked and threw it into the swamp across the road, but still it came back tied in its spot. They took it down and put it in a locked jewellery box after deciding it just wasn't going anywhere, and there it remained only coming out once in a while to give proof and shudders. In the bathroom, existing at the end of a long hallway, 
that peeks by a door to every room of the house, there was a towel closet with no bottom and underneath there was black ominous water. Now this is explainable. Like I said, these houses were built on a marsh. The bottom panel was likely kicked out accidentally. They called maintenance and were told it would take almost a week. After night one, however, it began. My friend stated that she started seeing a creature in the hallway, always coming from that bathroom. It was long and its ribs showed clearly, like a German short-haired pointer, but it had human hands. Walking on all fours, it would lumber to a doorway visible to my friend when she was alone and wait for her to look. It would then make direct eye contact with a creepy humanoid face and its jaw would drop like it was dislocating and it would scream, an audible scream, that everyone in the house heard, distinctly not my friend's husky voice and she wasn't one to scream to begin with and then it would just vanish. It terrorised my friend until the exact day they put a panel on the floor in that bathroom and then it was gone. Maybe it was just trapped. There were many other spooky stories from that house and the fish hatchery as a whole. From ghosts to animal bodies that seemed experimented on to beasts and aliens in the snow. But nothing compared to that creature, whatever it was. You know when you get to a point in a story and you know, you know that it's not going to go well from here. I got to the point with the towel closet, with the with the floor kicked out of it and staring into the abyss. And I thought, this is not going to, this is not going to go anywhere good. There is only one thing that is going to crawl out of that towel closet and it's not going to be good. It's going to be bad. It's going to freak me out. It's going to send shivers down my spine. And... I can't imagine living in a house with that sort of thing lumbering around the place. What in the world? I think the moral of this story is that if you find a cross hanging up in your new house, just leave it there. Leave it there. Don't take it down. You never know what that thing is protecting you from. And that cross was obviously desperate to be in that house. It kept coming back. So I would say, okay, I'd rather have a creepy cross around the place than have a lumbering monster coming down the corridor, just waiting for me to look at it so it can scream in my face. I don't even know what that could be. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Was it a real, can't have been a real animal though. I was just about to say, was it a real animal? Because it was vanishing into thin air. So it can't have been a real animal. Because, you know, there are obviously animals who, if they've been in water for a long period of time, if they have mange, like there's all different reasons why animals can look really deformed or really scary. But they don't vanish into thin air. I don't know what I don't know what to tell you. That, that I I really disliked that story. And story number three comes from Daniel. I live in Reykjavik, the capital of Iceland. My great uncle lives outside of town at a farm that was built in the early 1900s. It is a two-hour drive from the capital on the main road. The farm is huge with a big river flowing right beside it, with an old bridge running over it. In the 1940s, mid-World War II, the US sent thousands of troops to Iceland 
to build military barracks and bunkers in case the Germans would invade. Many of the barracks are still standing, as well as the bunkers. Many of the troops were sent to the capital, but some were sent outside of town and into the highlands and fjords for training. The weather here is so unpredictable that training is perfect. A group of troops were training in the river where my great-uncle's farm is, but unfortunately, many men died trying to cross the river, as they underestimated the strength of the current and the sheer cold from the Glacier River. The bodies were never found, as they drifted far away and into the ocean. After these accidents, strange things began happening in the farmhouse. My great-uncle was a mechanic and dedicated his life to restoring old classic cars in one of his barns. He noticed that tools were going missing, disappearing and reappearing in the same spot that he left them, strange noises and sightings of a shadowy figure. He never felt threatened by this spirit, and over time these things were just normal for him. He even named the spirit John. A couple of years later there was a family gathering at the farmhouse. I don't remember the occasion, but there were a lot of kids and people gathered in the main building where everyone slept. One of the kids at the gathering was my aunt. She was around four or five years old at the time. She was in the TV room with her mom when she suddenly looked to one of the chairs. Her mom asked her if everything was all right, and she asked, Who is the man in the chair? Obviously, there was no one in the chair. Her mom asked, What does the man look like? And she replied, He's wearing a green uniform, and it's all wet. I still get goosebumps thinking about this. This was just one of the many encounters with John, but the scariest and probably most bizarre one happened a couple of years later. My great-uncle was always having visitors over. After all, their farm was on the main road that runs across the country, so friends and family stopped by for coffee and a chat before continuing their journey. It was midday, and some friends came over for a coffee. They knew about the spirit John, and almost everyone that came through there knew him. Everything was fine, and they chatted for a couple of hours before leaving again. When they got into the car, there was an intense smell of hay and dung. The kind of smell you find in a barn that is full of pigs and animals. They thought nothing of it. After all, this was a farm, and the barn was just a couple of metres from the main house where they had parked the car. When they started driving, the smell just wouldn't go away. They tried opening the windows and airing out, but as soon as they closed them, the smell came back. Then one of them told the driver to turn around and drive back to the barn. The driver, of course, asked why, but this passenger insisted that they turn around, so he did. When they came back to my great-uncle's farm, they stopped the car and the passenger opened the back door. The smell went away immediately. There were a couple of these stories told and I believe that John the Spirit was just taking a ride. Some people also told me when they were driving past the farm, the seatbelt light would come on and beep when there was nobody in the passenger seat. After driving for maybe 30 seconds or so, it would disappear. In my ignorance, I was completely unaware that Iceland was used by the American troops during World War II, but it does make perfect sense. Like, it's a good strategic place to train and then be able to move troops to the European mainland really quickly.
I always feel really sorry for stories that involve soldiers because I just they're generally young men they're generally really frightened and they generally don't really know what's ahead of them and I don't think anything could have prepared any of them for the horrors of war and then to be doing your training in somewhere like Iceland a place you've never been before and you know from what I know of Iceland the terrain is pretty pretty intense and the weather is intense and it changes really quickly and I'd imagine lots of lives were lost from people just not knowing the terrain and not understanding the currents in particular rivers and it's just so sad so it do, like it makes sense that they would stick around because they weren't thinking they were going to die doing their training in Iceland like it, they were probably thinking if I die it's going to be on mainland Europe actually in combat and then to have these tragedies happen while they're doing their training it's just awful so I you know I totally understand that they would stick around and do attention seeking things like moving things around and making tools go missing and stuff because that is very attention seeking it's like look at me I'm still here and for the little girl to see a man in fatigues soaking wet sitting in the chair that's pretty amazing that's pretty amazing and there's no evidence or there's nothing in the story to suggest that the farmhouse was haunted prior to this incident in the river And story number four comes from Emily. I lived in my dad's house since 2008 and I've only ever seen things in the corner of my eye. I've never given it much thought or attention as I figured it was all down to my overactive imagination as a child who liked to daydream a lot. Until recently, nothing really pulled me towards the notion our Victorian house that was built in 1913 was in fact haunted. But now, stuff has started to wake me up. It seems the more I give attention to it, the more it shows itself. Like I told you guys in my email a few months ago, I've experienced odd things happen throughout my childhood that for some reason have stuck with me to this day. Perhaps I was grasping at straws before, and maybe I'm still doing so now, but I genuinely believe somebody is in that house, even when I'm home alone especially when I'm home alone. I ride the bus to college three days a week with my friends and seeing as it's a long journey from my town, we talk about a broad spectrum of stuff. One of my friends in particular is convinced that she is haunted, but we like to exchange all the weird and creepy things that have happened to us and enjoy the looks of terror on our other friends' faces because who wouldn't? It's pretty funny. Since I revealed more of the stuff that I've seen out loud, I've actually started to see more. I think talking to my friends about it shook the metaphorical snow globe that is my house. Let me first tell you how the atmosphere in that house feels. It doesn't feel evil or bad, but cold, and not necessarily a physical kind of cold, more of a lonely, glum, I'm trapped inside on a rainy day kind of cold, if that makes any sense. Every time I go to leave my house I feel watched, particularly from the top of the stairs, just outside the bathroom in the small hallway underneath the attic latch. You can see the attic latch from the doorway as it's right at the top of the stairs. You could even draw a straight line from the attic latch to the front door. I feel like the thing residing in the house doesn't like it when I leave for my mum's house, or college, or school. I felt it for a while and only felt relieved when I closed and locked the front door behind me. It's like that feeling when you turn the lights out and race up the stairs, 
to where there's still light, as if you'd be safe there. The other day I was getting changed out of my PJs and into lazy weekend clothes as I woke up at about 11am. My door was wide open because I was home alone, and so was my sister's door, which is right at the end of the hallway. Her door was all I could see as of that moment, and you know the small thin gap between the door and the wall where the hinges are. Well, as I was putting my top on, I saw the face of a little girl with black hair. I only saw her for a split second, and I thought I was being perved on by an intruder, and I scrambled to put my shirt on properly while shouting, Oh my God! As if that would scare an intruder. And when I looked again, she was gone. I even checked her room and behind the door where I had seen her. Nothing but the coats that were hung there, which were light brown, and not black, so I definitely wouldn't have mistaken them for a girl. I moved the coats slightly out of view, as I thought I'd scared myself. After all, I had just woken up, and maybe I imagined it. Boy, was I wrong. At least, I believe she was really there, and I only believe this so firmly because of what I'm about to tell you. I love writing books, although they're mostly drafts and I only publish onto Wattpad, as I'm not very good at writing yet. The other week, I was sat in the living room typing up an opening to one of my books, which happened to be based on a nightmare that I had had in this same house. This is what I wrote. Ghosts are real. I know this because the moths told me. I also read this aloud as I was again home alone and wanted to hear how it would sound. That night, as I went up to bed at the end of the hall where mine and my sister's rooms are, there were moths. Lots of them. Some outside her room, one in mine. I checked the windows were all closed. I didn't open them during the day either, as it's England and the house is always cold anyway. They seemed to come from nowhere, and lingered until the morning. I killed the one in my room feeling slightly guilty, but I couldn't sleep soundly with the stuff flying around my head. I found another dead in the bathroom the other day, but the others have vanished. We tend to get all sorts of mini beasts inside our house. It's old, and we have lots of hidden places for insects to nestle down in. But I hadn't seen the moths prior to reading my opening sentence aloud, and there was no way they could have come in. The book I'm writing in question was based on a reoccurring dream I've been having about a crawl space that was attached to another crawl space. In the dream that I've had since I was young, I was first little and playing in it with an old porcelain doll and friends that I can't put faces to. It sounds scary, but it felt safe, like a den or a perfect hiding spot. Then, as I got older, I keep revisiting it. Recently, the last dream I had of it, I re-entered the crawl space and saw the same doll. But this time, she was dusty, and there were cobwebs all over the place. I was smiling, bittersweet, like I was reflecting on some childhood memory that brought me joy. It felt so real. So real, in fact, that I asked my parents if we had ever had a crawl space before. And we haven't. Perhaps it was a past life. Or the little girl's life, I'm not sure. We do have a small crawl space at my dad's house, but it's new, and only because of an extension we put in a few years ago. So that couldn't be the dream crawl space. On a little side note, I was sitting in the living room yesterday eating, when the broom in the kitchen fell near the back door. I'm spiritual and therefore quite superstitious. 
and it said when a broom falls by a doorway, it means that you should expect company. That isn't very reassuring. I'm not worried though, I think the kid is lonely and curious. I try to ignore it as best I can, but sometimes I feel overwhelmed, especially in bed at night. So I whisper out loud for whoever is near to leave me alone as I'm not in the mood and need to sleep. This usually works and the feeling of being watched eases. It sounds mean, but I don't want to risk accidentally inviting the spirit to stay as it could be evil. Evil demonic spirits are known for seeming innocent upon appearance. For example, looking like a little girl, just to gain your trust and latch onto this realm easier. So I try to pay no notice until it really irritates me when I'm tired. I mostly joke around it though. Being lighthearted and positive actually eases it all. We as people create energy and really bad energy sticks in places and that's why you get bad vibes. Having good energy makes good things. What goes around comes around and so forth. Anything that peeks through doors, peeks through cracks in doors, peeks around corners, it's just a big no-no. It's so frightening, especially when you're like, you know, there's not been any noises, there's not been any build-up where you're looking for something. When you're just doing your own thing, getting dressed, and then suddenly you see something out of the corner of your eye that's been watching you. Is that thing watching you all the time? Does it live in your attic space? Is that why you feel a certain way about your attic space? Sorry, I am really not helping this situation, Emily. I apologise. I do have a tendency to make these things worse, I have to say. I also wouldn't be particularly worried about it being demonic. It sounds like based on the dreams that you've been having, it sounds like you have some sort of connection with this little girl and that she was probably quite happy in that house or that it was her safe space because the dreams don't seem to be really bad dreams. They seem to be dreams about a particularly happy childhood where this kid had found the perfect little play and hiding spot and you have some sort of connection to her and she doesn't like it when you leave the house. But I wouldn't be worried about it being demonic. That seems like a sort of a ghost adventures thing that has been stated as a way to make things more dramatic. And then, of course, people latched onto it and it became perpetuated in these narratives about hauntings and paranormal stuff that anything that is seemingly innocent is suddenly demonic. And I don't actually think that's the case. Although I wouldn't be particularly happy about having a little girl ghost in the house and peeking through cracks in the door and watching me get dressed and all that jazz. That wouldn't make me very happy, but I still don't think it's demonic. And story number five comes from Caroline. I've always had paranormal experiences since I was a baby. Spirits were my friends and I would often communicate with them, although I've never had an unpleasant encounter such as this one. My boyfriend and I just moved into this apartment about a month before this happened. It wasn't an old building, it was about five years old. But the minute I stepped foot into the apartment, something felt off. Very off. The energy was just different, in a very heavy way. My boyfriend was very sceptical and just thought I was being dramatic. He would go to uni during the day and I would study at home. The TV would turn on and off so frequently that I just unplugged it and never turned it on again. Sometimes the luggage I had by the table would roll next to me or across the room without any windows being open or any other type of force. One day I was exhausted from studying and went to bed. Around 3am my boyfriend woke up feeling this very cold air. Thinking that he had left the window open, he went to get up and close it. As he was getting up, he turned on the lamp and there was a human-sized figure 
in all black floating over my body and slowly lifting me up from the bed. It was in a cape-like dress with a large hood and had no face, but these bony hands that were very aged. On the other hand, I was gasping for air. It felt like it was sucking the life out of me. At first I thought it was sleep paralysis. I've read about it before and I couldn't speak or move at all. I was being completely controlled by this ghost. My boyfriend, shocked at what he was seeing, held me down to the bed. And as he passed his hand through the cold figure, it started to vanish. I was still very out of breath and just trying to understand if this was all a really bad nightmare or if it was real. I thought I was hallucinating. I couldn't believe what had just happened. We talked about it and couldn't get back to sleep. At 4am the phone rang. It was his mother. and She sounded worried and said she had woken up with a feeling that she should pray for me because I was in danger. While we were trying to explain to her what we had seen and not sound delusional, our doorbell rang. We were both already scared shitless and a visitor at 4am didn't really help. We went to open the door and our two neighbours from upstairs were shaking. These girls were our friends and we always made it clear that they could come to us if they ever needed anything. But at 4am who could possibly need to ask for some sugar? They sat on the couch with a frightened look. One started stating that her roommate was being lifted off the bed by a ghost that looked exactly like a Dementor. It all added up exactly with what had just happened to me. That was my reassurance that I wasn't going insane or dreaming. After our chat, the four of us had breakfast and left the building as soon as our contracts expired. If anyone has any idea what this encounter could have been, please let me know. You guys are killing me with the stories today. Killing me. That has given me goosebumps. Full-on, hair-raising goosebumps. I've said this before, but I sometimes get messages from people who don't like dream stories and who message me to say you shouldn't read out dream stories because they're not real it's just a dream they don't count as anything paranormal if we only had one side of this story if we only had Caroline's side of this story then we would assume it was sleep paralysis and we would say this is a sleep paralysis story she woke up couldn't move had this hag-like creature that was over her in the bed right and we would absolutely say it was sleep paralysis But we have the boyfriend witnessing this creature floating over his girlfriend and trying to pick her up. And we have the girls upstairs experiencing the same thing. I don't want to freak anybody out who has sleep paralysis. But something about some sleep paralysis stories gives me heebie-jeebies. Like sleep paralysis as a brain phenomenon really freaks me out anyway. I find it really scary that your brain can do that. Of course... It must be terrifying for people who experience it. And I'm not saying that all sleep paralysis stuff is paranormal. And I'm not trying to freak anybody out either. But sometimes sleep paralysis stories are really scary. Particularly when they're witnessed by other people. And I've told this story before. I think it was on Murder Most Irish maybe. They did like a Halloween special. And somebody wrote in with a story where they were having sleep paralysis all the time. And they were seeing this hag and it was really, you know, it was they were really struggling with it. And then their boyfriend woke up and saw the same thing. So sometimes, man, those dream stories, they're they're very scary. They're very scary. I don't know what that is. I can't explain to you what that is. I can't explain to you why it happened to the girls upstairs and 
you guys at the same time. I can't explain how mother-in-law then rang at 4am to say, look, I'm really worried and I feel like that I should have prayed for you like that. Oh, that whole thing is disturbing. I hate all of it. And story number six comes from Megan. My family on my mom's side has always had stories of deceased loved ones coming to visit in dreams and giving really accurate advice. For example, my grandmother once visited my mom's dreams to tell her her favourite cat who had run away a few days earlier would be back in the morning. She saw the cat in her dream somewhere dark and he was covered in spider webs, but otherwise okay. The next day he was on the front porch, covered in the same webs from her dreams. My loved ones visit me frequently and I can sometimes even conjure them, if you will, when I especially miss them or need advice. By far the strangest occurrence I've ever had with my dreams was when my sister began to have night terrors. She would wake up from nightmares screaming, but was always okay, just freaked out. The first night it happened, I was in my bedroom, which was across a short hallway from hers. I woke up to her screaming and crying as if something or someone was attacking her. I shot straight up in bed and almost immediately had an extremely vivid picture of her in bed with small black and red creatures climbing out from underneath her bed and onto her quilt. Immediately I was reassured as I said to myself, it's just the little red men, they won't hurt her and I went back to sleep. The creatures had black and red patterns covering their bodies similar to Darth Maul from the Star Wars series, just for reference. The next morning my mom was pissed, asking why I hadn't gone in to check on Emily and what if she had been in actual danger. I answered that I knew she was okay because the red men wouldn't have hurt her. My sister, who was also in the kitchen, immediately stopped and asked how I knew that. I was confused, but asked what she meant. She said, in the middle of the night, one of our cats had jumped onto her bed and pulled the covers off her somewhat in the process. This translated itself in her dream as small creatures crawling from under her mattress onto her bed. She asked me to describe them and told me that somehow... Without her telling me, I had known exactly what she had dreamed of. To this day, I'm not sure how I was able to jump into her subconscious and see what was scaring her. But one thing was certain, I had seen her dreams before she could tell anyone. I feel like siblings having similar dreams or being able to understand each other's worries or fears or feel each other's pain is actually kind of more similar than we might think. I've said this before, but my sister and I later in life have realised that we have a shared dream. Um, We have nightmares that are very similar and we will text each other and say, oh, I had the dream last night. And yeah, it doesn't, I don't think it happens at the same time, but we have a very shared dream. Like, is it about genetic makeup that makes you dream in the same way or understand each other in a different way? I don't really know. I have no idea. But that's so specific, having little men that are patterned like Darth Maul. Uh, I've said this on Instagram before, probably haven't said it on the podcast, but Darth Maul is one of my crushes in life. Definitely fancied Darth Maul when I was a kid and The Phantom Menace came out, just FYI. But I that's so bizarre. I don't I don't know what to tell you. And again, it's another dream story. Um, but dream stories of relatives coming back are incredibly common. And even more interesting is dream stories where relatives come back and give information or advice. That's pretty cool. 
And a lot of dream analysis and uh, people who see dreams as a form of psychoanalysis will say that you are every part of your dream. So you are represented in every part of your dream in some way, shape or form. So it's interesting when relatives that have passed come back in your dream because are you are you causing that to happen are you asking them for advice that you're just basically giving yourself it's so hard to know thank you so much for listening to today's episode thank you to sarah felix daniel emily carolyn and megan Caroline, I don't know whether you're Caroline or Caroline, so I'm sorry if I got your name wrong. I've actually spelled it differently twice, both times that I've written it down. So I'm sorry if I've said it wrong, Caroline or Caroline. Thank you so much for sending in your stories. If you would like to know anything about Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast, you can learn everything that you need to know by logging on to reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And just a reminder, at the end of this episode, I am taking a break. So all episodes from here on in will be pre-recorded episodes. I am very unlikely to be contactable online on Instagram or on Facebook, but I will be on my emails. So if you've got anything urgent that you need to ask me or tell me, please feel free to email me. And on that note, I shall see you next time.